Welcome back, guys. It's Mountain Meditations. We're back for episode 11. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about what, Tristan? We're going to be talking about comedic movies. Yeah. The, the long-awaited. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> we so we wanted to talk about movies in general, but we, you know, we figured since comedies are something that have sort of gone in and out of style over the years, it'd be something, you know, a little polarizing that we could talk about. And so with my backstory, I suppose, I've been watching old comedies specifically. I don't think I've watched any new comedies, actually, now that I think about it. I'm, I'm trying to think of one that maybe I've seen, but I can't. Um, so, like, for me, it's all old, um, you know, 60s and before type comedies is what I'm used to. And so Tristan, I guess, would be the, the sort of counterpart to that. And so, you know, you could talk about the more modern perspective on comedies. And we could sort of compare and contrast how things have changed over the years, you know, what's going on with that. Yeah, you know, I really love movies. I'm a little bit of a movie snob, and <laughs> comedy is my favorite genre. I tried to convince myself that my favorite genre was horror for a while, but that was just to impress a girl. <laughs> but when I really when I really get down to it, man, I just love to laugh. And I do like some older comedies. I do think Charlie Chaplin is a very talented man. Yes. But when it comes down to it, we've gotten some uh, comedy movies written down. When it comes down to it, I really only have one that's semi-old, and it's not Charlie Chaplin old. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of my favorite comedy movies are the mid-90s, 2000, classic Adam Sandler type stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> I just grew up watching those. Right. When I was growing up, mm -hmm. just because <laughs> we didn't have any internet out of the place I lived, out of the farm. Mm-hmm. But we did have FX and Comedy Central. Yeah. And I really loved watching stand-up, and I really loved watching funny movies. Mm -hmm. So we just had all these old 2000s, 90s, sometimes late 80s movies come through. And that was a lot of fun for me. Mm -hmm. and that's just what I grew up on, and that's what I'm still rocking with today. If I ever need to laugh, I'm going to pull up Happy Gilmore. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to have a good time. For for me, it's more my, um, my dad had recorded... Uh, because they had cable for a while and they would play old movies on like the, uh, you know, I guess like TV land, stuff like that, where they would play uh, older movies and shows. He would record them on tape and then we had those later on. So I literally, like when I was a child, I was watching VS, VHS tapes, you know, and so well, let's just go ahead and get right into it. Let's, let's quit gabbing about it. Um, so why are comedies so popular? You know, why do people enjoy comedies? My first point is I was thinking that comedies, especially older comedies, were a form of escapism. So I think most people, I feel like sort oh, of... Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I have forgotten about that. <laughs> so, like, you know, political humor, late-night talk shows can be funny since they tend to touch on, like, real and relatable issues. So, like, finding a way to laugh at something that everyone's angry about. But it, it can also... It, it'll sometimes cause more outrage than displacing any anger so instead of making people happier it just makes people angrier so what the the good thing about this sort of escapism is that it's it's comedies of old were sort of created to help you forget your day like you come home you put a movie in or you turn on the tv you transition into another world they were sort of like forms of plays so you know way back when people would go to the theater they would go see plays and they would transition into that other world 
and that was what you know all this entertainment was originally about so that's why i think one reason you know comedies are extremely popular yeah you know i'm with it uh (laughs) comedies are a great way to escape the day it's like cinema cinema in alcohol form um i mean who doesn't like to laugh realistically everybody knew that one funny kid in grade school right the one kid that could make everybody laugh Mm -hmm. and you were always just a little bit jealous of him i know i was (laughs) his name was his name was michael and his older brother would just tell him these weird more grown-up jokes because his older brother was just weird (laughs) like that and he was always just the guy that made everybody laugh and that kind of transfers into it you like uh the court jester you like the class clown because they're just a usually a happier, more optimistic person, maybe on the outside at least, a happier, mm. optimistic person, pretty outgoing and maybe a little more extroverted when they get into their groove and find their comedic foothold. Yeah. Uh, I grew up watching a lot of stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. uh, and I would, go to, uh, I would go to summer camps, and at summer camps... Sometimes they would show a movie, like uh, if it was raining a lot or something, and they would always show like uh, a movie called Heavyweights that I really like, which is about a fat camp. It's be- it's a Ben Stiller movie. It's a lot like Dodgeball, where Ben Stiller's the bad guy, and he's just insane and wacky. It's really good, and it really comes down. It's a it's a more it's a very old thing. In ancient Greek plays, you had comedies and you had tragedies, mm-hmm. and that was that just became kind of the the basis for dramatic theory and yeah. theater, like theatrical sciences. I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, theatrical <laughs> <Sounds> sciences. <good. laughs> yeah, I'm killing it with the improv. <laughs> and that's another thing. It's like, it's improv. You know, if you're, you're, you're quick-witted and yeah. you're ready to go, people mm-hmm. like that. People want to see that. When you, I can't even tell you how many times I've watched uh, just some stupid YouTube compilation where a stand-up comic just gets a heckler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just like uh, there's, this, <laughs> there's this one where Bill Burr just roasts the city of Philadelphia for like 12 straight minutes. And what's so funny <laughs> is the people of Philadelphia, when Bill Burr says, I hope you all get cancer and die, the people of Philadelphia <laughs> laugh. When Bill Burr says, I hope the Eagles never win another Super Bowl, they're ready to kill him. <laughs> and it, it goes into that. You can... And of course, that's an extreme example. But with comedy, you can make light of a drastic situation. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, at my grandfather's funeral, after my father passed away, my grandfather really stepped in and became the father figure that I really needed. And mm-hmm. at his funeral, we were cracking jokes about it. We were having a good time. Yeah, it was pretty painful when we were watching him buried. But afterwards, we went to his house. We all uh, we got a paella together. And we just had a good time. We were cracking jokes. We were talking about some of this stupid and dumb stuff that he said or did. Uh-huh. Uh, every, everybody had just like a lot of good memories with him and, and a good way to remember him by. And comedy really just, it can really just ease that pain. It can take you out of a, a bad headspace. It's just a good way to embrace the more positive aspects of life. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about making light of things, we can also talk about, as I mentioned before, the late night talk shows, political humor. Um, it does sort of work in their favor in that you can make light of or reflect the way that society works. So it can be a way to criticize the world is to sort of make fun of it. So if you can make a joke about something, you know, we talked about this in the in the meme podcast 
when you can make fun of something, um, you can often point out a flaw in it. You can criticize it from another standpoint, one where people are more comfortable listening to. Uh, one movie I can think of, uh, an old comedy, it's called Living It Up, and it, it's with Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, um, you know, one of the best comedic duos in the old-time movies. I've actually um, never heard of them. Really? Okay. Well, this will be good for you then. Um, I'm a scrub, jeez. So, <laughs> so that movie, Living It Up, is a good one I can think of because so basically Jerry Lewis pretends to be a dying man. And so he thinks he's dying at first, but then he realizes he's not. And Dean Martin is pretending to be his doctor, which he's supposed to be a doctor, but he's a really <laughs> bad doctor. And so they like... They receive, receive a lot of fame for it, so they both get famous. You know, Jerry Lewis is like the, you know, they always have sob stories in the media. They'll really play it up. Well, they really yeah, play yeah. Jerry Lewis dying up. And so eventually <laughs> it got to the point where everyone started to turn on him because he was taking too long to die. <laughs> so, like, everyone was basically waiting for him to die, and so all of his quote-unquote fans turned to, like, haters because he hadn't filled his end of the deal. So that's a, it's like a weird Black Mirror episode where it's like, you know, everything's happy and everyone feels sorry for you. And then by the end, everyone's like, can you just die already? It's what we've been waiting for. So I feel like that's a, yeah, a good criticism of society and the media in general. Yeah, and you see that today. It wasn't too long ago when Seth Rogen released the interview where he and James Franco got to go interview... Kim Jong-un, one of the most prolific dictators of modern times. And it's <laughs> it was a pretty funny movie. I don't think Seth Rogen is my favorite comic, but he's certainly pretty good in my eyes. And I enjoyed watching it with my high school friends, just watching this dumb, fat stoner <laughs> and his stupidly handsome friend try to murder Kim Jong-un by shaking his hand. <laughs> and it was good because it, it kind of played on that. It kind of played on that, you know, it's like, this is funny and a joke, but also, you know, dictatorships are bad, and this is why they can be bad. It's like, yet yeah, he lied about there being food, and he, it was just <laughs> yeah. a fake-ass grocery store, right? and it's just, it's just kind of poignant about what it is today. You know, Kim Jong-un, he can put on the face, he can mm -hmm. smile, he can be, he can look like a happy, jolly, chubby little guy, but in reality, when you get to it, they actually did a pretty good job personifying Kim Jong-un. Yeah. He grew up with a an enormous amount of pressure from his father, and he was kind of just alone. He had, like, I don't want to say prostitutes. I'll say groupies. He had North mm -hmm. Korean groupies, but he was still just a pretty lonely guy. Yeah. But he was also evil, <laughs> really just evil. <laughs> so, you know, you, sh you should be able to humanize and empathize with even the worst of people, but it also under no circumstances, excuses that kind of atrocity. Right. And when you see that movie, you can laugh at it. You can mm -hmm. laugh at this short, fat, disgusting, <laughs> chubby little dictator man and make fun of him. And what's Kim going to do about it? Send that one nuke that doesn't work? I don't live in California. <laughs> Anyways, before we start a, a war of any sort, <laughs> another one I wanted to bring up, another old movie, uh, Claudette Colbert is a, a famous actress from the past. So some of you may might know her and ask why not? Why am I not picking this movie? It's called It Happened One Night. That's not the one I'm picking for as an example right now because like that was one of the most famous ones 
uh, in that it was like a road trip movie, and, well, you guys have to go watch it. But basically, the one I'm going to talk about is No Time for Love. So it's from 1942. Um, so the situation in this one is sort of similar to it happened one night, where you have this rough, uh, crude sort of man, thinks he knows everything. I guess basically the epitome of masculinity is what you would call him. <laughs> and... Um, He's played by Fred McMurray, of course, and so what? What you happen? What you have in this situation is like she's the this prim and proper photographer. She grows up with, you know, she's been with all these rich people. She's constantly surrounded by class, and then she goes to photograph these guys. Uh, I think they're digging in a mine or something. Like they're these, you know, construction workers. Right. And right. she ends up falling in love with one of the construction workers, and people she like. like me. She yes, and just she, lower class, <laughs> disgusting people. Yes, laborers. <laughs> and she falls in love with one, and she hates that she falls in love with one because she. Oh, that's not like me at all. <laughs> because she falls in love, like she's supposed to be marrying the classy rich guys, um, but she ends up falling for the more masculine, tough guys. And so I think that's more of a reflection of society as well, in that you can find that we all have. You know, I, I think women do have a sort of, in general, are more drawn to more masculine traits, you know, and the sort of preservation of that, the fact that that was seen as crude, uh, she could still find something more in that. And they actually had a genuine connection, et cetera, et cetera. It's an entertaining movie. Basically, reflection of society, another reason that uh, comedies are very popular. I'm going to watch that and just pretend it could happen to me. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the meta that comedies go through. Now, yeah. I'm not as uh, not as well researched, or I haven't watched as many older comedies like Chris here. But I've watched, you know, a handful. And mm -hmm. what I really love about the old comedies, and this goes especially towards Charlie Chaplin. What I really love oh, about yeah. Charlie Chaplin is that is how uh, how motion and blocking based his comedy is. Mm -hmm. Whereas by comparison, a lot of comedy today is more dialogue driven. Now, yes. there's nothing wrong with either of them. Right. In Charlie Chaplin's days, they couldn't really have a lot of dialogue driven comedy because dialogue was mostly delivered through cards, mm -hmm. uh, talkies. I don't know if Charlie Chaplin was in any talkies. I can't remember. But for a lot of his movies, they were in black and white and they had no sound. Mm -hmm. So he had to rely on motion and blocking. And that was and that's good. And mm. what I really loved is his facial expressions. There's this one scene, and I'm ripping this straight out of an every frame of painting video, where he tries to escape on a car. And he's like waiting for the car to go, but he actually jumps on a sign that looks like it's on the car with a tire on it. Uh -oh. And he, he looks like, yeah, I'm getting away with it. Suck my dick. People are chasing me. And he looks behind him and the car's driving out. He's like, ah, shit. Whereas... Nowadays, you've got movies like uh, like The Hangover, for example, where a mm. lot of it, or actually, a better example, uh, are Marvel movies. Yeah, Marvel movies are generally very action comedy movies, and it's very uh, it's a very well established meme that Marvel movies uh, the maker always has those little, those little quips. Mm. They always have something witty, one liner to say. Yeah, you know. The raccoon says something stupid and guardians the galaxy, and then Star Wars <laughs> pops in. You're an idiot, Rocket. And, you know, it can be done well. And a lot of times, I reckon it is done well, especially in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. The, mm -hmm. the actors and the animators just have such a good chemistry going on. 
But then it doesn't work so in others, like Captain America and Captain America the Winter Soldier, which, hot take, I think were just pretty bad. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, never. We're not yeah, getting yeah, into I, that. Okay. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, you can you can do that. That's fine. Uh, I'm not going to say anything. Go ahead. All right. And you have that kind of meta, and a lot of people. And uh, I don't want to say that that doesn't happen today. That you can't have that mixture of uh, blocking motion-driven comedy and dialogue-driven comedy because you do have that ripping from even more every frame of painting videos. You've got directors <laughs> like Edgar Wright and my absolute favorite director. Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan, who was the lead actor, the director, the producer, and the editor for a lot of his films. He did the blocking and what if, he did the blocking. He did the dialogue. Rush Hour is a, a is just a classic. You gotta <laughs> love Rush Hour. Come on. His one of his best attributes was just his face. His facial expression really <laughs> sold true. it. It sold it as like he was genuinely in pain, which mm-hmm. It's funny to watch people get hurt. Let's be honest. Like, yeah. Kid, you watch some, I watched somebody fall over walking to class the other day, and I died laughing. <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing. People did not look happy with me. But that's not the point. <laughs> Jackie Chan, when you see Jackie Chan get hurt, it gives you that sense of, oh, he's human. He's not some invincible Rambo-esque action star. Right. That's Jackie Chan getting, <laughs> getting punched. <laughs> it's funny. And... It's that connection between there is dialogue driven comedy and there's blocking driven comedy. There's mm-hmm. diegetic and non diegetic sound driven comedy. We're using big words out here. Wow. And look at you. M- mise on scene. Oh, there is another <laughs> is another vocabulary word from my <laughs> film class. But there's nothing wrong with focusing on one or the other. Every director has his strengths. Every actor has his strengths. There's absolutely nothing wrong. I'm not saying it's bad, but like when you focus purely on dialogue-driven comedy, which I will say, including Marvel movies, doesn't happen that often. Marvel Mm. movies do have some blocking-driven comedy. If you remember in the first Avengers movies, uh, Hulk and Thor are standing next to each other at one point, and then Hulk just sucker punches the crap out of (laughs) Thor. That's great. That's funny. That's jarring and sudden. Mm -hmm. You just watch this big green monster punch God. (laughs) It's great. And you can still have that, but you can focus on dialogue-driven comedy. And since it's from a comic book, you know, I feel like dialogue uh, plays this important role because you do have artwork, but it's static artwork. You would mm-hmm. have to you can you can focus on things from comic books like facial expressions and posing and dialogue. And then yeah. you've got people like Charlie Chaplin, people like Edgar Wright, people like Jackie Chan, who could maybe take it in a different direction. Maybe not focus as much in dialogue, or maybe mm-hmm. focus more on dialogue in specific scenes. You know, yeah. in Rush Hour, uh, the other the the guy who's not Jackie Chan, whose name I can't remember right now, he has a lot of dialogue-driven <laughs> comedy when he's talking to people and he's got kind of a funny voice with a cool, fresh accent. <laughs> You know, that's funny. And then Jackie Chan does some wild stunts, and that's mm-hmm. great, too. So you can focus on specific things in specific ways in specific scenes. You're not limited in comedy. You're never limited in comedy. Right. Yeah. So, and when you mentioned slapstick, one thing I want to bring up, not in movies, but the Three Stooges. So, I, you know, everyone in general knows the Three Stooges. So you have that whole era of comedy where it was Three Stooges, Laurel and Hardy, uh, like I mentioned before, Jerry Lewis, Abbott and Costello. So you had these, like, you know, Buster Keaton. You had these teams. And so um, 
they would they would essentially have the straight guy and the the goofy guy. And so with slapstick, well, in in the Three Stooges, basically everyone was the goofy guy. But you know, um, yeah. So you would have like literally slapping each other, like. Just, <laughs> <laughs> you have like friends who are just punching each other in the face and like I don't know I, I think it like you said it it taps into a more uh I guess like a more primal form of comedy where it's like you know sort that of, guy got it, hurt yeah it's, it's just like I don't know why it's just kind of funny to us and I think in that situation you know that no one's actually getting hurt so it's more funny that way because for me someone genuinely like you know if someone broke their leg like I'm not gonna be like dying with laughter. I will. Uh, well, okay, but <laughs> if you know, if someone like bumps into a door, I'm definitely gonna be laughing at that because I've done that, and it's like relatable. Everyone has accidents. So, but also one thing about older movies is that they did start to bring in the um, the quips, the the um, dialogue-driven comedy. You have Danny Kaye who would essentially do what was stand-up in his movies. Um, where he would, so it comes from a sort of vaudevillian time. I don't know if I said that right. It, it sounds pretty though, so I'm going with uh, that. What? Um, you All know, right, I'm vaudeville. okay with using big words, but let's laugh. <laughs> Keep it to English, big words, please. <laughs> so, like, you know, standing on stage, you had to entertain a crowd. It's essentially the original stand-up, and so a lot of what you you were sort of limited to what could be heard through like the music that was being played behind you and what people could see of you on stage. So falling, falling down, you know, tripping over things. Um, one of which I, I'm sure you've heard of this one is the, um, who's on first routine from Abbott and Costello. So come on. I haven't heard that. I haven't actually. (laughs) I'm such a fucking poser. Oh my God. Don't ever listen to me again. They they go through um well I don't know I've never seen Happy Madison I've never seen any of those movies you listed so essentially yeah we're, Happy we're, Madison I've I haven't it's, and I haven't seen that the water one where he it's <laughs> no that's two different movies it's Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison Christ <laughs> see exactly <laughs> how have you never seen an ad of God <laughs> just move on okay um. <laughs> So <laughs> we are limited in our knowledge here. Let's let's just <laughs> make that note. Um, so the <laughs> who's on first routine is they go through like a baseball team, and so the gag is who is on first, what is on second, and you know I don't know is on third, and those are their actual names. And so one of them being Costello. Uh, actually it's Abbott. Abbott doesn't understand that Costello is actually saying their names and he keeps asking, you know, well, what is on second, you know, who is on first? And it sort of goes through that. And you, you have that in what's going to be one on, you know, spoiler alert here, what's going to be on my top five list, uh, the court jester, uh, with Danny Kay. So it's from 1955. Um, Danny Kay is very good at that. Like, standing on stage talking to an audience um he'll go through the whole um he loves tongue twisters he can talk really fast he's really good at that kind of stuff very masterful of the english language and he does this one routine with um it's actually been taken from something else because i saw it in a bob hope movie never say die i saw a variant of that where it's like you come up with a tongue twister to help you remember something 
So in this case, the court jester, there's a, there's one of the cups has poison in it, and he has to remember which one it is. So basically, he comes up with like this rhyme, you know, pellet with a poison, chalice from the palace, and then the flagon with the dragon. <laughs> and so he like goes through this whole routine where he has to remember all of them. Which could have been solved easily by saying, don't drink that one. But, you know, it's comedy, so we got to make things work. And it's a classic, just a classic routine. And that kind of, like like you said, the, the dialogue really takes him through that. And as well with the physical comedy, because at the time, <laughs> this, is, this sounds so stupid. His suit got struck by lightning and is now magnetic. <laughs> so so they're, they're like walking side by side and their suits are like <laughs> being drawn to each other. And the whole time he's like reciting the the pellet with the poison and all that. And it's just ridiculous. And that that's sounds what like makes a JoJo's so, reference. It makes all it right. so amazing. Should we move on to our list? Let's go ahead and do the list. Yeah. Okay. So you can go first. All right. I've already listed the court jester, 1955. Apparently it was a bomb at the box office. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, who would have thought? I hate, but... I hate it when that happens. There's a movie that you love and it just bombs. <laughs> I just want to grab you and be like, you're wrong. You're <laughs> I'm wrong. Go wrong. back to 1955 and be like, what is wrong with you people? Go watch the movie. But so it reached more success later from the, you know, because it was on TV. Um yeah, so I would definitely call it ahead of its time. Uh, it, it has some of the best gags I can think of. It actually makes me laugh out loud, and that doesn't happen much with movies. Um, you know, all, you know, everyone like does the breathe through your nose thing. You chuckle at things. But this one actually had me like my side was hurting. Um, yeah, it, Danny Kaye is just really good at comedy, basically. He had, and one thing I wanted to say, sometimes he can go too far. Sometimes he'll take his stand-up routine. It'll last like 10 minutes, and you're like, okay, we're done now. Let's move on. You know? I've never heard of this guy either. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, he will he will go too far, and in the court jester, they did a good job of like cutting that before he droned on. So that's gotcha. what I like gotcha. about it. Um, number two, I'm going to say Road to Utopia. So this is a Bob Hope and Bing Crosby road flick. And these were, you know, people who actually know what I'm talking about um, and you, you all need to go watch these movies, by the way. Like, that's why we make these lists, is that you have to go check out our uh, opinions and uh, like things that we like. Um, exactly, so, yeah. Road to Utopia, I picked it instead of Road to Morocco, which is the most famous of the road pictures, um, because it has, that, it has this like Western feel to it. The comedy feels a lot more classy to me as well. Uh, basically, two guys... Um, go into a town pretending they're outlaws, pretending they're criminals, and they have to act tough. Um, and Hell it's yeah. just, like, it's just really funny because they, like, grow beards, and it, I don't know. It's really good because, and Bob Hope is on my list again because number three is Casanova's Big Night. So I'm realizing that a lot of these movies have, like, a <laughs> similar theme of, like, pretending to be something else. So Casanova's Big Night is... Basically, you know, you've all heard the term Casanova means someone who, you know... He's um, good with women or something? Yeah, he's a player, basically. Ah. And so Bob Hope is like a simpleton. He's his, um, like, the, the person that sews his clothes, basically. Gotcha, and gotcha. so he um, ends up having to pretend to be Casanova and, like... It you know obviously hilarity ensues because he's a really awkward dude so he has to go out and, and even at one point he has to dress up he basically it's Bob Hope and drag and he's got like giant 
breast <laughs> because he's like stuffed it full of clothing and he's like pretending to be this giant German lady and I don't know it sounds all these sounds so bad when I talk about it but it's really done very well in practice so trust me on that one it's a good one uh, number four hold that ghost is an Abbott and Costello movie and that's another one where people are probably going to say why didn't you pick Abbott and Costello uh, meet Frankenstein because that's one that features like basically all of the universal monsters at once. Um, and it's a really well done movie. I do enjoy it, but I think hold that ghost wins in this uh, category and a lot more like I like Mes Mexican hayride as well. That's another good one. Uh, they've made a ton of movies together. I think they, I did the math one time they made like, they ended up making two movies a year from the math that I did. And they were just cranking these out like every year, two movies like I don't know that that just blows my mind because after I think it was like 20 years they ended up doing like 37 movies it was something like that and like that's just that's incredible to me but anyways so um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back to just for just one second okay Mexican hayride is definitely a sex thing I that's gotta be that's gotta be a sex thing right why are you ruining one of my favorite movies <laughs> you don't hear it too <laughs> but come on, it's a. It's, just, it's back in the forties. It's like nineteen forty-eight or oh, something. Did they not have Mexicans in the forties? We did, sex didn't exist in the past, Tristan. Oh right, <laughs> my bad. Um, hold that ghost. Okay, basically, it's a quote-unquote scary movie. It's not scary at all, but it has ghosts in it. You watch. Abbott and Costello do their thing, which is Costello acts really scared, and Abbott is the mean one that slaps him around when he acts up, and they go through a lot of hilarious routines. Um, pretty much the standard, but it's my favorite. Uh, I think it represents their series the best. And then, for my last one, like I had trouble with this one. Um, so I ended up picking a Danny Kaye movie called Wonder Man. So, you know, I already picked... Um, the court jester, but I was like, what the heck? I can pick two. So Wonder Man is good because Danny Kay plays two people, uh, one and a quiet introvert who um, reads books and is very, you know, he's just a nerd. And then the other being his loudmouthed uh, brother who is really good at comedy. And so um, his brother, the loudmouth one dies, the introverted one has to pretend to be the extrovert and it's it's just really funny because Danny Kaye is really good at acting nervous. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's my fifth one. There we go. Your turn. All right. My top five movies uh, in no particular order and also without much thought to it. So I'll probably think of something that would be way better afterwards. <laughs> so the first one is the most lukewarm take of all time, Blazing Saddles. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> I just love the N-word. Uh, <laughs> kidding. So... It's just a good movie. Like, everybody that's seen it will just tell you it's good. It's very dialogue-driven. It's very jokey. Uh, I don't like the ending, but other than that, it's just a great movie. When when Willy Wonka pulls the black cowboy behind the rock <laughs> at the KKK people, and he goes, where are the white women at? I thought... Classic. <laughs> I, I was laughing so hard I was crying. The second one, this is one from my childhood. Uh, it's called The Bench Warmers, if you've seen it. No. Three adults join a youth baseball league to like fight against bullying and one of them was a bully. it's a it has a very touching message 
where it's like, hey, kids, bullying is bad. And just because you're a nerd doesn't mean you should get picked on in school. And it's, just, it's a more of a blend between physical and dialogue-driven comedy. At one point, one of the baseball players tries to swing. He throws his bat, and it kills three squirrels in a tree. Um, <laughs> third one, also another big one from my childhood, The Simpsons Movie. Uh, oh, yeah. The Simpsons, I do like that one. The Simpsons is one of the most popular television shows ever. And the Simpsons movie was a pretty good and f- I'd I'd say fairly faithful, uh, fairly faithful way to keep the Simpsons spirit alive. It was it had mm-hmm. a nice little message of family and being together and being neighborly. It had Homer had his little arc where he's like worst day of your life so far, turning into best kiss <laughs> of your life so far. It's a nice <laughs> little movie that's legitimately funny. Uh, the fourth one, you've seen this one coming. Happy Gilmore. I love Happy it, Madison. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> Happy. I enjoy watching Adam Sandler act like a retard and <laughs> threaten to beat people to death with golf clubs. I'm a simple man. That's okay. And my last one is another one that's been memed absolutely death is dodgeball. Mm. Uh, everybody knows the five D's of dodgeball: dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. Uh, Vince Vaughn, I think, is one of just the most reliably funny and <laughs> reliably... Oh, man, I just thought of a better movie. Anchorman. Anchorman's so good. It's like... <laughs> so it's like, Dodgeball and Anchorman. That, that's my five. Dodgeball and Anchorman. Oh, Everybody, okay. <laughs> Anchorman quotes are still funny. So that's six. <laughs> All right. This five is Dev Man talking about <laughs> movies, and Dev Man has to get walking to his class, so I'm going to be signing off. This was Mountain Meditations. Why are comedy movies popular? Uh, I'll see you around, everybody. Okay. But, uh, I guess, all right, Tristan just left, so... Uh, uh, no, I'm still here. Oh, okay. Hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, see you guys next time. This one was kind of scatterbrained and ridiculous, but, you know, that's the way comedies are, so we uh, we did that on purpose. And the way um, I am. Yeah, it was, this was yeah. all planned. <laughs> Uh, Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye.